It's an honor again and a privilege to be here. And today I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about the process of a dream. The process of a dream. One of the things I've learned as I've walked with Jesus the last 27 years is that God is into process. He's into the journey. I uh, tell our church this. Uh, I've told him many times, I said, guys, let me just tell you something. Let me just help you. Uh, God is not into doing things quickly. And I mean this specifically. In the 1970s, I grew up, my mom was a teacher, and we ate everything in a crock pot. I tell our church, I said, you are in a crock pot on low. God is doing something in you, and it takes time. Everyone say process. It's a journey. I tell our church this, don't expect. Listen, God doesn't expect perfection, but he does expect progress. That's why the Bible says we go from faith to what? Faith. We go from glory to what? Glory. We go from strength to what? Strength. Things that are healthy grow. Families that are healthy grow. People that are healthy grow. Churches that are healthy grow. Businesses that are healthy grow. I'll never forget one time reading in the scripture in the Gospels. And I was reading the book of Mark, and I saw scripture, and it just, it just stunned me when I looked at it. I've been to Bible school and seminary, went to the Baptist seminary after Christ for the Nations, and I understood all these big theological terms, but I, I didn't see this pastor like I saw it this one day, and it stunned me. There is a theological term called the hypostatic union, which basically means that Jesus, when he was on the earth, he's fully God, but he was fully man. The Son of God, the Son of Man. The humanity of Christ and the divinity of Christ. The union is called the hypostatic union. But when he was on this earth, again, without sin, without sin, we don't have a lot of blinks in the life of Jesus growing up. Of course, his birth, this scripture, one time 12 in the temple. But this is an interesting scripture because I think it then places a responsibility on us. Here's what it says, Luke 2.52. In Jesus, remember, in his humanity, without sin, and yet, look what it says. And Jesus, what's that next word? Say it. Increased. Jesus increased in three ways. Number one, in wisdom. If Jesus had to increase in wisdom, how much more do we? Number two, he increased in stature. He wasn't placed on this earth as a fully developed 30-year-old man, but he was born as a baby and he grew up. So number one. In wisdom, number two, in stature, number three, in favor with God and man. There is a lie in the body of Christ. And the lie is, is that you somehow become a mature Christian. In other words, you reach the zenith, this place in your walk with God where you are now mature. And again, back to the crock pot. I think we're on low. I think we're still cooking. I actually think the better term is we are maturing in Christ, present continuous action. We are growing in Christ. Well, pastor, when am I going to be cooked? When you die? And you see Jesus face to face. Can I have an amen? amen. That, that's what, but this whole time when you're on this planet, walking, listen, you are growing. Now, there is a beginning point. There's a beginning point in our spiritual journey, and that's when we're born again. I do believe there's a defining moment when you go from death to life. The Bible says that we become a child of God. The Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, if any person is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. I I grew up, I'm 45, and grew up in South Louisiana as a kid, all the way uh, until 12, going to a very classic Southern liturgical church. Very South Louisiana, very high church, and uh, the kind of type, and I say this respectfully, we love all uh, Christian churches, but it was the type of church you went to where you got extra credit for not moving around. 
Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? And if you did even think about moving around, you feared your mom, because if she looked at you, if you moved too much and she went like this, you know you were, we say it in this house, ficking to get a whooping. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> That's how we say it. Y'all not, but you know, we're not as progressive. And so, you know what I mean? And she, you don't move in church. Then we went to this new church. I'm 12 years old. We went in this new church. I got drums and guitars, people raising hands. I didn't even know that was legal. I'm like, what are they doing? This lady, we stood behind her. First time we went, her hair, 1980s, all right? You got it. Her hair is going back and forth. My brother, I'm 12, he's 14. We're trying to dodge between her body and her hair when it's coming back and forth. Then the preacher gets off the stage and walks down. You never saw that in her old church. He's walking right to my brother and I. I'm like, he's getting you. You're evil. I told my, my brother, he's like, ah, you know. So, so my mom has this transformation experience. So I learned two terms. I learned about a thing called a prayer list. And I saw my mom's prayer list one day and I was on the top. She actually called it a prayer hit list. I was the top name. She told me all the time, you're a heathen. I mean, all the time. Then I found out another term and it's, it's intercessor. And there was these women in the church, the intercessors would basically mean ladies that actually believe God answers their prayer. And so they would walk around and they would pray for me and they would have lists too and say, oh, you're the little pagan we're praying for. And I, I don't really know what that means, but you know, and it, so there's, by the way, so I had to go to church as a kid growing up, had to go. I can't even relate to parents. I can't make their church. I don't want to make little Johnny go to church. I had to go to church. I'd sit on the back row. I had this long blonde hair kind of in the middle. Eight 1980s flock of seagulls feel. And, and I ran. But anyway, that's it. If y'all know that, that's, but so y'all know, that's right, my brother. So, so I'd sit right here. So this little intercessor lady strategically would come by and pray for me with her two girls about my age, close. And so I'd be sitting back there. Oh, man, and so she'd come back, girls, girls, she's from Chile. Girls, four foot seven. Girls, come pray, 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 pray. I'd try to dodge her in a church, but she'd find me. And so she, so girls, come pray, pray, pray. She'd get right by me for seven years. She'd go, girls, come pray, 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 pray. And she'd put her hands out like this. She goes, oh, gee, oh, oh, demons out, Jesus in. Just like that. I'm like, I'm not that bad. You know, that's how. It's just amazing. So finally, I, I, I just got saved. Let me tell you what. It's just too much work running from God. <laughs> it's just too much work. Look. Listen, I want to encourage you, if you have a praying spirit-filled mom, give up! I mean, just, I couldn't even sit and have fun. I'd see my mom's face. So it just, I got born again. And y'all are fun, I'm telling you. So two things happen when you get born again. October 1987, I got born again. Two things happen. Number one, the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So your body is indwelt by the Spirit of God himself. Second thing that happens is God does this. God goes, and he blows his dream for your life into your heart. I want to talk to you this morning about the process of a dream. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. I want to talk to you about this process that a man in the Old Testament went through. His name's Abram. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, I'm going to jump right into it. 
The Bible says this. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, this is powerful, in you, Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Give you a little bit of background here. God called Abram, later renamed Abraham, out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram was a polytheist. That was the culture in which he came up. Poly means many. It's a Latin word which means many. We're monotheistic. Theism is a belief in God. Mono one. We believe in one God. Well, Abram believes in all these gods and they're worshipers of many gods. And one day God reveals himself to Abram. Watch this. And God brings Abram into covenant with him. Interestingly enough, if you read Genesis chapter 11, the Bible says that Abram's father stopped in the land of Haran, which is the land of settlers. It's that land that God calls Abram out of. He says, I want you to leave your father, your father's house, to a land. What land? The land that I'm going to show you. It's so interesting when you begin to see this because if you understand the background, God breathes this dream into Abram to be a father. Two challenges. Number one, he is 75, his wife is 65, not to mention the fact that she's barren. Now, I'm going to pause right there because immediately whenever you say this, I've had people in our church come and say, Pastor, you know what? Didn't people live in the Bible like 900 years? And this is like a toddler. <laughs> You're right, before the flood. But after the flood, nobody lived that. People that were alive, Noah ended up, but after, those that were born after the flood, God said 120 years, that's it, man shall live. So we're not talking about a, a, a spring chicken here. We're talking about somebody there, and she's barren. Interestingly enough, so God calls him to do something that's impossible. Interesting. I've had pastors, or I mean, I've had people, people in my church come up to me, businessmen and women, and, and they'll ask, Pastor Steve, you know, I've got this dream in my heart. And, 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 and I'm, I'm grappling with this. I'm not sure. How do I know if this is a God dream or just a good dream? Is it a God idea or a good idea? And I said, well, here's one of the ways that I think that you can tell. If it's a true bona fide God dream, whew, the weight of that dream is so big. It's so grand. Watch this. It actually, it actually pushes you to a place of dependency and a place of prayer where you actually need God's help to accomplish God's dream. Does that make sense? You can't accomplish God's dream in your own strength. So, so Abram, it's an impossible situation. You're going to be a father. <clears throat> You're going to need my help to do it. It's interesting. I remember coming to my mom and my dad. I, my dad's a lawyer. My brother-in-law's a lawyer. My other brother-in-law's a lawyer. And it's interesting, at our Christmas party, somebody gets hurt and they drop a card. And so, uh, <laughs> y'all didn't get that. But anyway, so, <laughs> I told my parents one time, my dad said, oh, there's going to be some lawyers in heaven, and I think you're there on the list. But I told him, I said, I, they were all, their whole life wanted me to, to, to be a lawyer. So here's the deal. I come before my parents, I'm a junior, and I have a degree in rhetoric, literally, which means nothing. I can't even tell you what it is, other than it was in the pre-law department. I remember sitting down with my parents and saying, Mom, 
I want to tell you all, because your junior year, you got to take your LSAT, right? Your law school entrance exam. And uh, so I remember sitting down, I sit up. Well, I'm just going to tell you this. I'm going to finish college. It's 1990. So I'm going to finish college next year, 1991. But I'm not going to go to law school. I'm, I'm going to, God's been talking to me, and I feel God's breathing my heart. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a minister, a preacher. I never forget my mom. She went, oh, God. She started crying. She went, oh, God. My son's going to be a minister. He's going to be so poor. Oh, my God. That's what she said. I mean, remember, they prayed for me for seven years to get saved. I guess I got too saved. But I'm just saying, like extra saved or something. I don't know. That's so interesting. You know, when you're, when you're immature in your thought process, you think if God speaks to you, I want everybody to say, God is? the dream giver all right when God speaks and God gives you a dream I mean in my immaturity I thought well surely I'm gonna be like this is gonna happen quick and then I begin to understand in the Bible great men and women throughout scripture and throughout the history of the church that delays number two are always inevitable my, I have an older brother, like I mentioned, two years older than me. I'll never forget my first day of kindergarten. My brother fe- felt it was his life's goal to educate me of kind of what's coming up the path. And I remember first day of kindergarten, the night before, he said, see, we shared rooms. because Steve, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to learn to read in kindergarten. I'm like, wow. Because he could read and I couldn't. He'd read Hardy Boys books. And I couldn't read. And I remember the first day of kindergarten coming back, and I was just crying. My mom comes and says, Steve, what's wrong, honey, sweetie? What's wrong? And I said, Mom, Keith told me I was going to learn to read. First day. Keith told me I was going to learn to read in kindergarten, and I didn't learn to read today, Mom. And she goes, honey, not the first day. A lot of times we're crying, and we're upset, and we're mad at God because God gives us a promise, a dream, a vision, and we think it's going to happen by 5 o'clock. The reality is God spoke, and God gave a dream, and and there's always this delay phase. There, there's always a delay. I can prove it to you. How many of y'all know that God gave you a promise, a dream, a vision, and it's either took a lot longer to come to pass or you're still in the, in the waiting phase? Would you raise your hand in here? Okay. Almost every person in here. God spoke. And as time goes by, the baby doesn't come to pass the way they thought. And this is the challenge. There's always the temptation in this phase to take matters in your own hand. Genesis chapter 16, I'm just bringing you through the story this morning. It says, Genesis 16, verse 1, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant, uh-oh, whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. It's been 10 years, God. All my friends are getting married, God. And what about me? My clock's ticking, God. Got some girlfriends and things are, things are, they're getting married. And, and you're getting tired of going to weddings of all your friends. Because it's, it's been 10 years. I'm in my 30s, God. You don't understand. And God, and things are, God, I've been working at this job for years. It's been years, God. I'm going to tell you, that's the phase when the enemy really starts lying. That's the phase when all kind of voices, the enemy's voice, it, it just, you start, where's God? I thought, God, did God really say, it goes all the way back to the God, did God really say this? Did God really tell you this? The reality is, is it's been 10 years, a long time. 
Verse 4, so he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. It wasn't Abram and Sarah that had a baby. It was Abram and the maidservant Hagar. The baby came forth, Ishmael. They had taken matters into their own hands. It wasn't the promised child. It wasn't from that union. It was from another union. They tried to speed up the process of God. You ever done that before? I know I have. We're in a building project. Like I said, we just moved in in November and all the years of, 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 of just getting to that point, Pastor Brett. And I heard about all the different things, the pilgrimage. God has brought you guys on a church 25 years, not having your own building. And yet you're thinking, God, when, God, when, why, God, why? And yet God, God is, is operating. God is moving. It's interesting when you begin to think about, you begin to think about how that temptation and in my own life and all those times, Pastor, when, when, when I wanted to just take things into my own hands and just say, and, and there's that temptation, there's that proclivity in the human flesh in each one of us, particularly if you're a type A personality. It, it's like, man, I'm just going to, if God doesn't help me, I'm just going to help myself. Man, there's that temptation. We all go through it. I do. We all do. I'll never forget my second year in Bible school. And I went to college, graduated in 91, two years in Bible school. In, in, the, in, the, in, the, last, in the spring, it's four semesters. And my fourth and final semester, there's a lot of pressure in Bible school of where are you going? Uh, where are you, what, you know, what is the call? Where is it bringing you? And I had one friend come up to me, and people literally make business cards, you know, or ministry cards, you know, like, you know, to go get jobs. And, and this one guy says, you know, God has shown me I'm going to be a prophet to France. I'm like, wow, that's huge. Another guy goes, I'm going to be an apostle to Mexico. I'm like, dude, that's big time. <laughs> wow. Apostle. Another guy, I'm going to be a youth pastor. You know, there's 500 people. My dad's got a church, thousands. And I'm, and they would say, Steve, where are you going? I'm like, still praying about it. <laughs> Which basically means, I don't know. Come on, you know. When somebody says they're still praying, they really don't know. Boy, and I felt this pressure to, to make something up. <laughs> Is that wrong for me to say? I just, I felt this pressure. I'm like, man, I feel silly. Man, boy, and they're just, and their lives are going on. And my friend, by the way, he did go to France. He's got a TV show today. If I mention his name, the guy went to France for 15 years and came back, got a TV show, preacher on TV. He's a big preacher. So it wasn't like this vain imagination. It was like God. <laughs> you got a vein or is that God? God had spoke. I knew he'd given me. Everybody say, God is. The dream giver. Say delays are always inevitable. I go back to New Orleans. I don't have a job. I work at our church. The church was in a bad financial place. They said, Steve, we want you to work full time for free. And it's cool. Man, I want to hire some people like that. Praise God. And, and I worked as a waiter because I had to work to be free at night times to teach in a Bible school and all these different things and small groups. I was basically the singles, the singles pastor, the 18 to 30 year olds. And so I, I waited tables at this restaurant called Similina's. Similina's a type of pasta. 24 years old. This is, 20, this is 21 years ago, 1993. Graduated from college. Graduated from Bible school. I was doing some extra graduate work, but I was ready to go, man. I, that dream was in my heart. I'll never forget the day when uh, one of my close friends from college, hadn't seen him in three years, he kind of thought when I got saved that I was too radical. And he goes, Steve, come on. His dad was the vice president for American Express. And, uh, I mean, this guy was a powerful guy. He was going to be a, a doctor. 
in, uh, he, went, he was in third year medical school in, in Nashville at Vanderbilt University. I never forget, I'm at Simulina's restaurant, and they come and they sit down at my table. And I'm like, here's the conversation coming. Like some of you, you know, you're single, and you're like, gosh, when? You go home, your mom, your dad, like, when are you going to get married? What's up? Are you okay? I remember him sitting at the table, and I'll be honest, I'm a waiter. Any of y'all been waiters before? You know the term, in the weeds? I went back there in the kitchen, man, I'm in the weeds, I can't get it. I didn't have anybody else. That was a lie, but I got forgiveness under the blood. <laughs> I, did, I, just, I just was so embarrassed. And I said, guys, because I knew the question was coming. I said, man, I can't wait on the table. I said, what? I got to do it? Y'all can't help me? And I'm going to tell you, from the kitchen to that table, it was one of the longest walks. I was just like, and I finally get to the table they're looking down their menu I'm like I got my little apron I'm like can I uh, get y'all something to drink I never forget my friend had this bright red hair and his red beard and he looked up and he goes Steve dude what are you doing here man didn't you, like, go become, like, some sort of priest? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. How do you tell a guy? He's a heathen. He's unregenerate. He doesn't know God, the kingdom, nothing. How do you tell a guy like that? Oh, brother. No, Jesus has me here. <laughs> building character on the inside of me. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm growing up in the Lord. <laughs> he doesn't understand any of that stuff. Man, that was a tough day. <laughs> Growing up. Have you guys ever heard somebody say, preaching, you know, God is never late. Y'all ever heard that before? I got something to add. He's never early, neither. <laughs> never early. I mean, never. Never. I walked out to my car that day. I had my little apron on my shoulder. And I'm just telling you, I just, there's so many thoughts in my mind. And something that day, it just, it broke in my heart. And here's what I said. I said, God, because I was, I was, I was just, and there's nothing wrong with being a waiter, but I had done that. I've been trained and I was ready to go. I was called to be a preacher. And I just said, God, if I have to do this the remainder of my life, I'm going to do it with a good attitude. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be happy in you, God. I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm not going I'm, I'm to indict you and your goodness. I'm going to trust you. I tell you, something happened in my heart. I just want to say one other thing about delays. And I don't sit up here to know all the deep theological preponderances of all. But I do know this. I think part of the reason, Pastor, that there's a delay, part of the reason is there's something in that delay that God is wanting to build in you before he builds through you. Does that make sense? In other words, he's wanting to develop the character of Christ in you, the fruits of the Spirit in you. He's wanting to, because the thing he wants to do through you is so big. He doesn't, want, he doesn't want you when you get there and that thing happens for you to go, I'm pretty good. He wants to say, God is real good. Can I tell you this? And I told Pastor this in the last three services, and I say this, it's a confession. 
I'm really ashamed that I've said it, uh, that, that I thought this, but I don't think this way anymore. We started building campaign 2008. In 2000, it was supposed to be 18 months. 2010, the beginning of 2010, we were supposed to move into a long story. I'll tell you the story later. But it didn't happen. If that building would have been built in 18 months, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I think inside I would have said, God, thank you, but I would have said, I'm a pretty good leader. Four years after the fact, when we walked in, people come and say, man, Pastor, this is an amazing building. I go, really? And I'm not even trying to be humble. It's in me. This is all God. I'm not this good. I almost, I almost literally melted down in 2010 from the weight of pressure on a building. You have no idea the pressure on a pastor week in and week out, week in and week out. When we moved in there the first day, pastor, I looked and I just said, it's all God. I just was crying. It's all God. Do you know that when you finally have that husband or that wife you've been believing, when you finally start that business, when you have whatever it is that God, listen, God, he doesn't ever want us to go, it was me. He wants to go, it was all God. All God. All God. Hebrews 6.12 says that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those through faith and say it, patience. We inherit the promise of God. Let me give this third and final thing. Everybody say, God is? God is. The dream giver. giver. Delays are? are. Always. Always. Inevitable. Let me give this third and final thing. God's timing is perfect. Spring you through the story of Abram. Genesis 21 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and born Abraham a son in his old age. At the, let me pause right there. I'm going to ask everybody after at the, I'm going to ask at the count of three those next two words. I want everybody to say those out loud. Y'all with me? Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Set time. Pastor, does God have a set time? So the Bible says, at the set time, at the set time, at the set time of which God had spoken. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah had born to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Now Abraham, listen, now Abraham was 100 years old, 25 years I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know. But I know this. God's got to set time. God's got to set time. God's got to set time for that church to move in. God's got to set time for you and your family. God, Listen, do you know my mom? Let me tell you something. People actually told my mom. I was a heathen. I mean, I was a real heathen. Like, there's heathens, and it's like, really heathen. <laughs> my mom called the police on me four times as a teenager because she couldn't control me. How I many you know, that's messed up. She told me one time, I pray God saves you. She told me, or just kills you. I went, I'm open. I'm open. (laughs) Really, I'm open. You don't have to go to that level. I would go out, messed up, come in. She'd be praying for you. God's going to do something great with your life one day. God's going to use your life one day. And she never let go. There's a set time for parents. Come on. There's a set time for prodigals to come. There's a set time. There's a set time. There's a set time. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh. God has made me laugh. It's important for us to remain faithful in the delay phase, to stay properly positioned for God's time. I'll give you this last door and I'll close. When I got back 
from Bible school. I was working at that restaurant. After that day, three days later, my pastor came to me. I was living with the associate pastor, he and his wife at that point in time. And he said, Steve, God's given me a vision. Listen to me close. I'm laying in on this. He said, God's given me a vision to speak in the high schools. I saw myself speaking before a thousand kids. It's the associate pastor of the church. And he did that. We had an assembly. I went there. It was a thousand kids. And then we started Bible clubs after school. For three weeks, he did the Bible schools. And he said, Steve, I don't want to do this. I feel you could do it better. I'm going to ask you to do this. And I actually said to my pastor, Pastor, I'll do it, but I don't like high schoolers. I saw myself differently college. I did it. I started serving the dream that God put in his heart. I don't want anybody to miss this. 20 years later, you can look online, Next Generation Ministries, Every single day in schools, there's 26 schools, 5,000 kids are hearing the gospel 20 years later. 20 years later. Six, seven years after that, 1999, I felt called to start a church, didn't know where. I went back to my pastor. He said, Steve, would you consider Mandeville, Louisiana, a little suburb across the lake from New Orleans? I said, Pastor, I don't really even like Mandeville. But I served his dream. One year into it, we had our anniversary. One year anniversary, it was 346 people. I felt the Holy Spirit speak. You're now walking into your dream. So what's my point? In the delay phase, listen, don't miss this. Serve someone else's dream while you're on the way to fulfill God's dream for your life. You with me? Serve somebody else's. You feel God's called you in ministry? Plant a church? Serve the dream. That God's put in, Pastor Brett and Cynthia. Watch what God's doing. You want your own business? Serve that man or woman that owns that business. Be the best employer. You're believing God for children? Serve in the nursery until that time. Whatever it is, you serve another person's dream. Listen to me. You position yourself for God's time. Everybody say, God is is. a dream giver. giver. Delays are are. always Always. inevitable. inevitable. God God has a set time. 